Hi everyone. So I'm, well, I'm driving to begin with. Let me uh, preface with that. I think it's legal to podcast and drive in South Carolina. I'm not sure. Uh, I've got my seatbelt on. I'm not touching my phone. Uh, so I think we're okay. If, if uh, law enforcement stops me, it'll be a funny bit, right? So yes, I'm driving, but I've got some ideas. I've been thinking a lot lately about um, the notion of like specialized marketing. You know, in the sense that there are overarching themes and, and practices and, and best practices and, and strategies and all those kinds of things that we do in the marketing world that are pretty much, uh, you know, across the board, right? So if I'm working with a nonprofit and with a political candidate or with a business or whatever, for the most part... Railroad tracks, lots of those in South Carolina. Sorry about that. For the most part, um, I'm going to have some common strategies that kind of undergird a lot of the work that we do. But at the same time, there's going to be unique aspects to a marketing strategy or marketing campaign or whatever we're working on that is unique to that individual. And I don't think we we use that enough because. You know, it, marketing itself is such a squishy topic for especially small businesses right now in the, in the time of COVID and, and dealing with, um, you know, restricted budgets and, and having to make tough decisions about budget spends and, and long-term planning and all those things. Marketing itself, which is always kind of a squishy topic, has, has been even more constricted uh, in the sense that there's a lot of do-it-yourselfers right now. Which is fine, which is great. And I'm all about democratized marketing. I've been talking about democratization and marketing, which means like everybody has access to it since like 2005. It's been one of my themes. I've I've given speeches in Vegas and LA and New York about democratization and marketing and how cool that is. And I'm I'm a big believer in it. And I think it's great because it opens the door for a lot of people to start experimenting and playing with marketing concepts that wouldn't have had access to that. You know, it's kind of like back in the day when we had MySpace and then Facebook came along, right? And we were all like, oh, thank God we don't have to deal with those ugly MySpace pages that everybody had. But in a sense, we lost some really cool playground, some sandbox type stuff because micro, uh, MySpace allowed you to microspace, MySpace allowed you to get in there and play with the CSS and the HTML and you could do some really, really ugly but fun things with the MySpace page. So you could have sparkly unicorns and, and glitter and, and, you know, not just the rotating mailbox, but all sorts of fun things. And all you had to do was learn a little bit of HTML. So there was a big trade in like customizing MySpace pages. And then Facebook came along, you know, in the mid to late 2000, uh, the, the first decade, you know, 15 years ago. And all of a sudden, everybody's page looked the same. And your, your creativity or your customization came based on how you presented your images and yourself, which is a whole nother case study. All that to say, uh, MySpace helped sort of democratize the web in a way that web designers hated, myself included, but it allowed for people to get dirty and and play with code in a new kind of fun way and realize like, oh, all these websites that we see, this is all based on a couple of HTML characters and you know, JavaScript libraries and, and those types of things, which is still very true today. I mean, the web really hasn't changed that much architecturally, 
Um, we've got a lot of cool new technologies that we didn't have 15 years ago. But, um, you know, for the most part, we're, we're dealing with ones and zeros. And that democratization of web design kind of carries itself over into marketing because everyone thinks they can do it themselves. Which they can. But I think people hit that wall of saying like, yeah, I can make beef jerky in my Ronco food dehydrator. It might not taste as good as like, you know, Jack Link's or uh, I'm, I'm blanking. What's the Sasquatch one? Anyway, I think that's Jack Link's. I think in marketing. Um, but but I can make I can make jerky, right? And and they apply the same kind of do-it-yourself attitude to to the marketing. Like I can kind of figure out a Wix website or a Squarespace site, you know, where I can kind of play enough with, um, you know, our Facebook page to, to do what I want it to do. But it's that extra step of taking what you've learned and, and transferring it, and and being able to expand out. Um, based on your own specialty that I think most people lack in, in terms of what they're doing with marketing. So our, our first case study here is uh, someone I know very well. It's, it's my partner. Um, uh, and, and, and they're a really interesting person because uh, Mariana has uh, transcended a couple of genres and, and niches that I don't think most people realize. So she's a pastor uh, here in, in our hometown. And she also publishes books. And she also works with me in our marketing company. And she's also an amazing parent. And she's also amazing, uh, what else? I would say cook, but she's not really an amazing cook. But but she's done all these wonderful things and, and amazing things in great ways. And, you know, some her, her congregation or the congregation she worships with sees her as their pastor. Uh, her clients in, in the book side of things at Harrelson Press see her as their publisher. And sometimes she edits, but, you know, mostly she's the publisher. So she's in charge of keeping, you know, stocks of books and making sure that those things get sold and all that good stuff, another railroad track. But Mariana is also an amazing writer. And she started her own uh, site, Mariana.net, a few years ago. Not a few years ago. It's, gosh, I think it's like eight years ago now. Six, six or eight years ago. Um... She has the fortunate condition of having a, a rather unique name, Mariana. M-E-R-I-A-N-N-A, not M-A-R, which is very common, of course. And it's a town in Florida. Uh, but <laughs> she's Mariana with an E. Bittersweet in Hebrew. Very interesting twist there. Um, so she has a, the fortunate condition of having that. So therefore, she can have a, a first name domain. I would kill to have Sam.com. I think that would be a great domain name, right? Uh, every year, there's a, a domain. I'm, I'm not sure who owns it, but uh, it's Sam.me, I believe. It's the only one that's kind of available, and, and the person, who, whoever owns it, keeps like rebuying it every year, so I'm not able to, to sneak it away from them. One day, I will have Sam.me, but I digress. So Mariana uh, is a great writer, and she's been blogging and, and writing on her personal side, and she, she has gotten a pretty good little community around that at mariana.net and it's been fun to kind of see her explore that side of her creativity as well as her personal marketing you know marketing her brand if you will so she's written a book and when she told me that she was writing this earlier this year probably I guess early summer in the spring sometime she said that you know look I've been taking these pictures and posting them on Instagram and Facebook and, and uh, Twitter 
and people seem to like it and you know I get a few dozen likes and, and I'm playing with some marketing techniques there with social media but I've been thinking about wrapping these pictures up into kind of a devotional side as well so she wrote this compilation you could call it a, a devotional I, I call it more of like a, um, a a collection of poems I'm a religion and literature major or masters so that you know when I when I think about the world I think about marketing and then literature so to me this is a collection of poems and I, I just wanted to sit down with her real quick and, and talk about what she went into this pro or this process thinking because it, the book has been a hit for Harrelson Press she, she's sold out the first run which is really awesome if, if you're a publisher um, it means you've got a, a a buy another run of books but also it means that you have gotten to a level of success that's going to show that there's a long tail to this book, which is where publishers make money. Um, so, you know, when you see Sean Spicer or Bill Clinton or Michelle Obama or Barack Obama or, or whoever's going to sign to the next big one, John Bolton, whatever, when you see these mega celebrity people who are going to have New York Times number one hits sign these big deals for books for advances, you know, the publisher's betting on the long tail. So the, the author is going to get some money up front. Um, and then from here on out, after that advance, after they've written the book and the book is published, and here's an ambulance. You don't, you don't get that on every podcast, right? So after the book is published, it doesn't look too emergency-y. They're just driving through. I might have stoplight. Uh, after the book is published, you're going to get this uh, long tail uh, of revenue. And that's where the publisher makes their money, their, their revenue, right? So same thing with, with what she's been able to prove with this book. So it's, it's hit, a, it's hit a, a great niche, and she's been able to really market to that niche in a way that I think is interesting because not everybody could write a devotional and have it burn through its first run in four days, which she did. And the really interesting thing I think about this that, that we can all take some uh, advice from out of this case study with her is that marketing to a niche and specialized marketing has its own set of challenges that are uniquely different from just kind of general marketing theory. And it's not about how much passion you have or how much knowledge you have about a topic or, or how invested you are or how much you care about it. Those are wonderful things. Those are great aspects. But you actually have to do the work of the marketing side, which means getting the word out. So when, when she started posting about this on social media about the book and she started doing her videos about it, which she does every night, which are really cool, you know, I kept trying to consult her as it, as it is, as a business partner and as a, you know, partner in life and saying like, okay, you've got to talk about this this many times and do this, you know, throwing out my marketing theory view of the world and, uh, you know, she kept saying, like, I don't want to bother people. I don't want to annoy people with this. And I'm like, no, you're not going to annoy people. People want to know about this. And it's the same thing I tell all of my clients. Um, you know, whether you're a business coach or you're selling stethoscope covers, um, which are really, it's a great business to be in right now with COVID. Um, two very different niches. But understanding that niche and getting in there and doing the work of saying, hey, this is what we're doing is how you market you're not going to annoy people. Coca-Cola, McDonald's, understand that in our modern era, postmodern era, you need to see something at least 12 to 14 times before you make an action. That's why people like Squarespace advertise on podcasts over and over again. Or 
we have Hulu Live and YouTube TV and those types of services, and you see the same ads over and over again, and you think, oh my gosh, this is so annoying. But it works. It does. I know it sounds like it does, and and it's annoying. But distance yourself from the idea of annoying and specialization and hone in on the idea of reflexive affinity. It's a crazy term. Basically what it means is know thy audience and be able to speak to that audience in an authentic way, but speak to that audience. Yeah, so it's great that you know this topic. It's great that you're passionate about this topic. Great that you really care about your dissertation or you care about this new product or you care about your resume or you care about your business consulting services. But unless you're willing to speak those things, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to make uh, people aware of the value that you're presenting to them. So here's a little four-minute segment with Mariana uh, about market specialization and, and about how to really think about hopping into something like a devotional space and and not just reaching out to friends and family, but reaching new audiences in, in a way that, that shows both care and, and passion. Why'd you write this? So I wrote this because we were in the midst of a global pandemic. We were in virtual schooling and we had just figured out that everything was closing down. And I thought, oh my goodness, how are we going to find hope and how are we going to find light every day? And we had instituted a morning walk. And I thought as the season started to change, we were capturing the morning light. And we were seeing it as it was just going on, just coming up. And I thought it looked different every day, just a little bit, even though our paths and our uh, roots look the same. And I thought, this is something we need to capture. So, I mean, what, what's your hope for the, for the book for, for people? So the book is really about a journey, a spiritual practice to look for the morning light, to recur, record and journal, and then also to reflect on scripture. Okay, so I'm, I'm someone who's, you know, a person of faith, but I'm not like a huge devotional fan. I, I remember, no, uh, you know, as a not. teenager. No, I'm not. Like, my, my thing, I'm a Baptist, so my thing is always like, I'm, you know, the Bible is my devotional. And I remember my friends growing up who were Methodists had the upper room. Mm-hmm. And I was always, always kind of jealous because it was like a little neat, you know, little book. So I used to sneak them from my girlfriend who was a Methodist. And, um, and so she would, she would give me bootleg copies. Only um, you would bootleg copies of books. You know, it's just interesting because I was like, but why are you reading somebody else's thoughts about this passage? So it, is it full of like Bible verses and, and so like here's what you should get out of Ephesians? Or No, no, no. It's not like that at all. It's actually um, poems that I've written, 30 poems that are kind of matched thematically with scripture passages. Scriptures that came to my mind as I was reflecting on what was speaking to me, where I saw the divine. And I think that the divine does whisper to us, inviting us into a deeper connection, into a deeper understanding of the world. And my hope is just that that's what this would do for people, provide a space, a sanctuary to look for that divine whispering that that's all around us. Well, especially right now with everything. Yeah. So if someone's not really religious or spiritual or person of faith or whatever, like, could they read this and, and hear that or, or hear Something yeah, you could totally just skip the scripture that's at the bottom and read the poems and write your own poem next to it. And the other thing that is in there is also a picture that kind of encapsulates, because um, I had taken all of these pictures of morning light. And so 
this idea that art and that nature and community reminds us of the divine and reminds us that, you know, we're not alone in this world is something that I'm hoping this book will provide other people a space to explore that those connections is and those invitations. seasonal or is it like, you know, cause right now, you know, we're recording this in December and Christmas is coming up. It's the season of Advent for Christians. Yeah, no, it's, Hanukkah it's is, just 30 days. You can do it whenever you don't have to do 30 sequ- sequential days, but it's just the idea of walking with this spiritual practice. Cool. Thanks. Well, what else? Anything else? No, you can buy your copy, Marianna.net slash morning light <laughs> if you'd like to. We do have them in stock. There's time to get them before Christmas. It, it, you're like on uh it's like on MSNBC when they when they or CNN when they you know the politicians pitch the uh the website and yeah, Katie insert, like you can't don't don't do that. Insert book cover here. That's so gosh. No, just kidding. Um cool. All right. Just want to get your thoughts on that. Because I know I, I I've had questions. I know a lot of people have had questions and I keep seeing the boxes and boxes of books and you sold out the first yeah we sold out the whole first printing first that printing, was a bit unexpected kind of, yeah, but like in a exciting, week right uh, four days yeah it's pretty awesome all right thank you mariana thanks okay so i hope you enjoyed that with mariana um again you can you can find her book at mariana.net slash morning light there will be a link in our show notes as always and um yeah i, I think this idea of, of you know really really specialized marketing people just kind of gloss over and they say okay well i'm gonna build a website and then people are gonna come and they don't really think through what all that entails as far as um the general care that you have to do with a real sustained marketing program that isn't going to be a one-size-fits-all solution because you're not coca-cola you're not mcdonald's you don't have those resources you don't have a team of thousands of people working in marketing and a a chief marketing officer who, who was there to make sure that um, you're, you're following, you know, the latest device from Saatchi and, and the fifth Avenue, Madison Avenue crowd. And I think that when you are some, or doing something like Marianne is doing, where she's trying to sell a, a very specialized book to a group of people who are searching and seeking for something, whatever their background, but still like she's selling, you know, a very specialized item. Um, You've got to not just think, okay, well, I care about this, so therefore, here's what I would do if I were in that situation. Um, you've got to apply specialized marketing in a way that includes you know, things like personas and being able to break down uh, scenarios of, of why someone would think about purchasing this thing or engaging with this thing or clicking on this thing even and going through all those steps. The five whys, as Bob Moesta says, there's a whole marketing theory behind that which is really beautiful and the the customer journey and thinking about where does this customer or this purchaser or this consumer or whatever you want to call them this engager where does this person see your product engage with it find it what what are the steps along the chain to to get to where you want them to go and we used to call that a sales funnel and i always hated that um because marketing is not sales and advertising is not marketing and marketing is has you know marketing and sales are two different things don't don't get those confused and don't call it a sales funnel, please. Um, anyway, diversified, specialized marketing. Really powerful topic. I'm thinking about it. And I hope you enjoy this. We'll be back uh, sometime soon. Probably in the next few days. I've got some interesting people lined up here. Um, we've got another book person coming up. Uh, I've got some political people coming up. Got some other people that are uh, small business folks. Got some people in the nonprofit world coming up uh, to talk about their experiences. 
And I have to uh, admit here with this one with Mariana, again, she's my <laughs> my partner in life. Um, so we were literally standing beside the uh, the dining room table and our, our son had just woken up from his nap and we were talking about something completely different. And I kind of put the iPhone on the table and said, okay, tell me about morning light and, and sort of ambushed her there. So thanks to Mariana for playing along with me as always. And thank you for listening as always.